The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We know that you want to live an inspired and fulfilling life. Maybe there are a few things that you need to get you there. Welcome to What Matters with your host, Mary Beth Lodge. In today's world of distractions, we can get overwhelmed with day-to-day responsibilities that keep us busy, frustrated, and confused. With an emphasis on the power of the mind and drawing on the fields of personal health, education, neuroscience, business, and spirituality, we'll discuss practical strategies to help you stay focused on your priorities, choices, and results. Now, here is Mary Beth Lodge. Good morning. How are you today? Thank you for joining me today on What Matters. Today is an opportunity for you to make a difference. Can you do that? Can you find a way to make a positive difference in your world today? And can you make a change inside of you that will carry ripples of positive change into the lives of those around you and well beyond? Do you know that no matter how small that change is that you make inside of you, it will reverberate through the lives of the people around you? You make a difference. So for this one hour, I want you to pay attention. That's right. Listen. Listen carefully. You've created the world you live in. So how can you change the things that you want to change? And how do you take what you hear today, this information, and apply it to you? No, not your significant other, your best friend, your child, your parent, or your coworker. Just you. You can share information with other people. But ultimately, you are the only person you can really change. And you are the person you are responsible for. And you, you alone, are the person that can truly make a difference. You create and attract positive light when you vibrate with love and compassion. Yeah, I know, you're busy. We're all busy. We lead very busy lives, and I specialize in busy, so do you. But sometimes, busy means we're distracted, It means that we're not following our dreams and pursuing our goals. It means that we're taking for granted the people in our lives and the actions that are most important to us. So how do you spend your energy? Are you spending your energy on things that don't really matter? What are the choices that you make in your world? And do you think about how you spend your time? How does that time impact the world around you? How do you touch the lives of the people you meet? Do you create sunshine wherever you are? So let's start by making our own sunshine. What are you grateful for today? Look around your world. What are the many blessings that enfold you? This week, I am grateful for the fresh fruit that's coming from the orchards. I had the opportunity to visit with my mother, and my niece has just acres of fruit trees. The peaches were ready, so fresh and sweet. And my mother and I enjoyed that bounty and the preserves and the bakeries that came from that. 
I'm also grateful for the gift and the blessing of health, my mother's and my own. Certainly my own because I have the physical capability to do the work on her farm that needs to be done and to kind of catch up some of the chores that my brothers can't get to. And also for her health because she is still active at 97 and I am so grateful for that. This morning, our topic is on the concept of aging and our guest, our guest this morning is George Capanelli. George is the co-author of Do Not Go Quietly, a guide to living consciously and aging wisely for people who weren't born yesterday. He authored this with his wife and partner, Sedina, and together they are leading advocates for those who see aging as an opportunity, not a liability. These two are accomplished authors, world-class consultants, keynote speakers, and co-founders of Age Nation, a digital media company and social enterprise, as well as the Age of Empowerment, a 5013C 501c3 focused on supporting vulnerable sections of our aging population. George is known as a leading expert on individual, organizational, and societal change with an outstanding track record serving hundreds of thousands of individuals and many of the world's leading organizations in both the private and public sectors, including Boeing, NASA, Sun Microsystems, the Disney Company, Oracle, PepsiCo, the LA Times, the U.S. Navy, and more. George and Sedina have together appeared on hundreds of television and radio programs during two national book tours and in conjunction with the launches of their two previous books, Say Yes to Change, 25 Key Ways to Making Change Work for You, and Authenticity, a guide to greater meaning and purpose at work and at home. Good morning, George. How Good are morning. you today? I'm terrific, thanks. Great. Thanks so much. Well, I'm so glad that you could be here today and to share this information. I'm pretty fascinated with the, the themes in your book, um, and especially there's a, a poem that you wrote um, that I think kind of speaks to those themes, and I'm going to ask you a little bit later um, if we can read that. But talk to me first about this book, Do Not Go Quietly. What, what's it about? Well, you know, we're coming to a time in our history when um, there will, for the first time, be a very significant number of people uh, alive on the planet who will be over 50 for the first time in history. And um, the book speaks to this uh, demographic revolution, uh, to its impact on uh, so many, many aspects of our lives. Um, and uh, encourages us both uh, as a nation, as institutions and organizations, and especially as individuals to uh, pay attention to this demographic revolution, to understand um, uh, what uh, will happen in all of our lives and what we can do to both prepare for it and to be able to capitalize uh, on the opportunities as well as to minimize some of the challenges. So um, that's, you know, really, um, it, it, and it's a clarion call too. You know, we're, we're issuing a call to those of us who are 50 and over and um, encouraging us to uh, wake up, to smell the roses, to be grateful, as your opening indicates, for the extraordinary opportunities that life presents. Um, and to do what we can to make the very best of the gift that is life. Mm-hmm. You really, um, you really push through the whole thing about responsibility 
um, just that that it's not just about being off in our own little world and kind of sitting and watching the world go by. You push for um, advocacy and and more. <laughs> yes, uh, well, because I feel uh, that those of us, uh, uh, as the subtitle suggests, who weren't born yesterday, have a responsibility, and not just to ourselves. Um, you know, in in some ways, a lot of us who are boomers and younger elders um, have been alive and played some part during the growth and the development of the civil rights and human rights and women's rights and animal rights and uh, anti-nuclear and environmental movements. So uh, in some ways, we've uh, played uh, a pretty major role in creating some of the social and cultural and political movements of the 20th century. At the same time, some of us have also fallen asleep. So um, uh, we have allowed uh, some of the conditions that currently in the you know exist that are not optimal in our world. Um, and so I believe uh, we have a responsibility to make right what we've done that hasn't been so great, and to transfer the wisdom and experience from those things that we've done that have made a difference. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that you also connect that to this whole experience of aging, that there are different challenges that we face in aging, and they may not be the ones that we believe are the challenges, but that we're not ready. We're not, we're not awake. <laughs> yeah, and, and if, you know, one of the beliefs that Sedina, my wife and I, have that motivates uh, a lot that we do in the world is that, you know, uh, we don't come here to hang out, you know, come here to the earth. We come here because we have some things to learn and some things to contribute. Um, and um, uh, uh, aging, especially the second half of life, um, gives us the opportunity to both look back, uh, to harvest some of the wisdom and experience and the fruits that we've gained in the first part of our lives, um, and to use the time we have remaining to uh, take advantage of this learning experience uh, so that we can raise our own level of consciousness and, um, and be able to leave behind some gifts to those we love and to the world at large that are meaningful, um, that can help them uh, during the course of their journey. Mm-hmm. Um, you um, you created Age Nation, which yes. um, talk to me about that. Well, um, as you were saying in your uh, opening, um, you know, listening uh, is one thing; uh, sharing some ideas is another thing. But uh, being truly engaged, uh, taking the things that are available to us and putting them to work in our lives, practicing uh, the new skills that we need to improve the qualities of our lives, um, these things require um, not only a deeper level of commitment, but oftentimes a deeper level of support. So Age Nation uh, is our attempt, and it's still in its early stages, you know, it's our attempt to provide not only great information and inspiration, 
but opportunity, uh, opportunity in the form of different events and different kinds of programs and classes that people can participate in, conferences that they can take. Um, it also offers a lot of support from a number of experts uh, in a number of different fields because um, we know in our personal lives that uh, when we have had the, the privilege of uh, participating with people who are a little further along on certain tracks than we are, uh, their knowledge and experience, their energy, their inspiration uh, help us to kind of get to our next stage. And so largely, uh, Age Nation is that. It's a web hub, it's radio, podcasts and broadcasts, it's live events, it's a national digital magazine, it's uh, a consulting division that helps organizations as well as individuals get to the next level. Um, it's a place to go, uh, to be mm-hmm. a part of an emerging community. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, in, in providing kind of that forum for people to connect, do you get feedback that they're moving forward, that they're doing what that call to action kind of thing that, that you're requesting? Is that part of what gets shared there? Uh, some of it, you know, certainly at conferences and in programs and and uh, comments we get back, uh, uh, guests that call in on some of the shows and all the rest of it. You know, there are people who uh, resonate strongly with the message and with the invitation, and there are other people who are, um, uh, you know, testing the water, putting their toes in. So it mm-hmm. covers, and we get some people that are, um, not particularly pleased with our message, who mm-hmm. would like things to stay just the way they are, and for us to, you know, <laughs> go back to the bleacher seats and and right. uh, just let things happen. So um, I, I I would suggest that we get kind of a typical range of information. But one thing that we do see a lot of, uh, and that is that um, even when people are not yet ready to fully jump into their lives and to make some changes. There is uh, a a hunger for hope, for uh, renewal, for alternative, uh, especially at a time in our world where uh, what we hear so much of in the media and and in the world around us is all about dysfunction and and stalemate and obstruction to, uh, to challenge. Uh, there is this bubbling up, I think, that is happening, this uh, uh, emerging desire um, to make sure that we get out of this period of obstructionism and confusion uh, in which the messages are a lot less than optimistic. Mm-hmm. You know, if if confusion precedes clarity, we're going to have really great clarity someday. <laughs> you can say that again, you know. It's just getting through this confusion that's a little challenging. Yep. <laughs> okay, so so with that, you know, you clearly you have a philosophy about conscious living, about um, being inspired in one's life. Um, you know, I've personally found that passing the age of fifty really did something for me. It was like opening a door. It was like all of the anxieties of that first half 
we're done. You know, it it did something in my head that said, okay, I've paid my dues. Now I have wisdom. <laughs> and, and you know, and it was almost that quick. Um, and and I know that that's not a common experience. You know, I know that people don't always find that freedom. And in fact, they look at it very differently. Like, oh, the best part's done. <laughs> that's true. Um, you know, um, there's a mythologist and storyteller whose name is Michael Mead. I don't know if you've crossed paths with him, but um, he has a wonderful book called Fate and Destiny. And in it, he uh, defines the process of chronological aging, and he divides people into two groups, olders and elders. Hmm. Um, <laughs> olders being those people who have aged chronologically, um, but who haven't done some of the work they could have done uh, emotionally, spiritually, intellectually, uh, to really deepen and mature their human experience. So for olders, um, uh, crossing certain lines, whether it's 50 or 60 or whatever it happens to be, often brings with it uh, an, an implosion instead of an expansion, uh, a sense that life the better part of life is over, that, um, you know, that they're uh, really moving to the sidelines. Uh, on the other hand, elders are people who have spent portions of the earlier portions of their life um, exploring some of their challenges, learning some of the lessons, uh, investigating uh, spiritual uh, dimensions, answering some of the great questions of life, um, and so when they age, um, they get to a different place. Uh, it's not that all of their worries are complete or that they don't have any doubts or confusions. It's just that there's a different level of stability. As you say, um, you know, you've earned uh, the wisdom and experience you've had. And um, so that difference, I think, is what we see uh, and experience in our world today, those who are kind of hanging up their cleats and those who are putting on a new set of shoes to go out and try new adventures and uh, experience the next part of life with the same kind of energy that they did the first part. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I guess I love that classification or that that. Uh, explanation of the difference because I, I see both of that in, in my work. You know, I see people who are very old um, physically but not chronologically yes. and who, who gave up living sometimes even before the age of 50 um, because of some alteration that they just chose not to accept. Um, and others who you know, I can't even tell their age. I, and every time they tell me their age, I can't, I, you know, I, I can't make it make sense to me because it doesn't match their, the, both their physical capacity and also their attitude. Yes. Um, so, you know, I, I'm blessed because I get to see that whole range. And I'm blessed because I have, you know, incredible role model, models, as I said in the opening. My mother is 97. Amazing. Um, yes. And you know, still active, still lives in her own home and, and lives independently. Um, and so, you know, I get to see that and I'm figuring she's aiming for a hundred. So what does that mean for me? You know, 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I better be doing some really good planning here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I was in, we were in a uh, a conversation uh, yesterday, uh, late yesterday afternoon, and um, uh, with uh, an, another writer and, and woman that does workshops and programs, and she said uh, she reached a kind of odd milestone when she was in. Uh, a, you know, she was sitting at the front of a, a, a program she was conducting, and she had asked people in her audience to create some goals for the future. And for the first time in her life, she began to list some goals uh, about the afterlife, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said it was, uh, it, it took her some time to realize that in penetrating that boundary, uh, she had eliminated uh, uh, a set of limitations that she had been living under. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. George, uh, I want to I want to go there again after we come sure. back from break. Um, you're listening to the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you ready to make a change in your life? Would you like to discover the hidden obstacles to your success? Mary Beth Lodge is a certified life coach with a proven track record of guiding others to success. Drawing on mind-body techniques and concepts of neuroscience, Mary Beth will design a program specific to your goals, lifestyle, and personality. You'll develop a specific action plan to follow. You'll learn practical and easy strategies to move through your obstacles and reach your goals. You decide the area to focus on. Is it your weight, your health, or your professional goals? Mary Beth Lodge is a life coach, hypnotist, and health consultant. She specializes in working with people who are confused, frustrated, or discouraged by the direction of their life. She works with people who really want to make a difference in this world and are willing to take the actions to achieve their goals. She'll help you get clear on where you want to be and to follow through on the actions that lead to a healthier and more successful life. Visit LastingLifestyleChange.com to request more information or a free consultation. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. listening to What Matters with Mary Beth Lodge. To be a part of our discussion on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to marybethlodge at gmail.com. Now back to What Matters. Good morning. Thank you for joining me this morning on What Matters. Our guest is George Capanelli. He's the co-author of Do Not Go Quietly, A Guide to Living Consciously and Aging Wisely for People Who Weren't Born Yesterday. George, we right before the break, we were um, talking about that change in, in barrier or that release of a barrier by um, setting goals for the afterlife. And you have a, a chapter in the book that's called Celebrating life and befriending death. Talk to me about that. Well, uh, you know, um, I think for people who um, haven't tested some of their own boundaries, um, the idea that um, 
death can be a friend instead of a you know a dreaded specter of some kind may sound odd and yet um, there have been a number of teachers and guides throughout history who have encouraged us uh, that by keeping an awareness of death it enriches our experience of life because let's face it you know um, as far as we know uh, for most people who occupy a physical body uh, life is a limited experience um, <laughs> and so um, if we're more aware of that fact then it helps uh, us in our choice points you know uh, do I choose this experience over that do I choose to uh, hold back or do I choose to give do I choose to be more or less involved uh, and if we know uh, that there is a time limit on our experience here in physical form, then it tends to enrich our process, enrich our, uh, uh, our engagement, and remind us how precious the time is, whether it is a few years or the 97 to 100 years that you know, you're, you're experiencing <laughs> with your mother. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and... Um, uh, so by looking at death differently, I mean, um, we don't have any trouble celebrating birth and any number of other milestones in life, you know, graduations and marriages and uh, all kinds of uh, things that we celebrate. Uh, but for some reason or another, um, we have this illusion that uh, if we don't talk about or think about death, um, uh, it, it, it won't impede us. Um, so um, uh, we also believe that uh, if we're leading the lives that we were born to live, if we're doing the things that uh, are unique for us, that we came here to do, um, then the idea of death uh, is a lot less troubling. It's almost like a vacation at the end of uh, a lot of uh, real engagement. You know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, like, like we finally get to sleep. <laughs> yeah, finally, you know, finally a little sleep. We put up our feet. We, you know, yeah. you know, uh, we take a, a couple of deep breaths and say, wow, that was terrific, you know, yeah. great experience. Uh, but if we're not living the lives we were born to live, if we're living the lives that someone else told us we were supposed to live or uh, that we felt obligated to live, if we're doing jobs that don't, uh, raise our passion and our energy, but we're doing them just simply to get through the day or the week, um, then, um, then death has to be a difficult experience because uh, we haven't done yet what we came here to do. Um, and that so, sense of frustration, whether, yeah, whether so, we're conscious of it or not, that yeah. sense of frustration that I, I just didn't do enough or something's not completed. Yes. Um, and um, so I think that's one of the things that this and several other chapters that focus on uh, looking ahead at transitions and passages uh, are about, uh, in celebrating our lives and in accepting our death. Um, uh, we do um, ourselves and those around us an enormous service. I mean, for an example... Mary Beth, in America today, we spend as a nation over $500 billion annually on unnecessary late-in-life medical procedures. 
and largely that money is spent because uh, the doctors and the experts that we put ourselves in their hands, as well as we ourselves, um, uh, are just not very uh, conversant on the subject. So rather than recognizing that uh, when end of life is, is near, uh, we can do things that empower people, that keep them awake, that allow them to have a genuine experience of the passage uh, that uh, helps them um, in making other choices, as some believe, uh, after death. Um, instead of all that, what we do is we dope people up. We give them unnecessary procedures and operations. We keep them clinging tenaciously to something that, left to their own devices, they might willingly surrender to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I... Um, I don't even want to go there because I'll get off on a tangent about end-of-life stuff, but, you know, I agree that we simply don't have conversations about dying in the way that I think would be beneficial for all of us. You know, just just to treat dying as a part of our life, <laughs> as natural, um, not something that's to be feared or run from or avoided or... Um, you know, prolong life no matter what. I, I think that that sometimes if we just see that as it's part of our natural cycle, and again, if we are living the life we're meant to live, dying isn't such a scary thing. Yeah. And also, if we, I think, uh, are willing to experiment with a number of consciousness-expanding practices while we're alive, then we begin to experience um, that there are ways um, to be um, both in the physical body and outside of it. So Mm -hmm. if we have some of those experiences through prayer, through devotion, through meditation, through gratitude, through experimentation with different breathing techniques and even with different forms of... um, uh, substances that allow individuals to um, have some of those experiences, then I think uh, we learn that um, the, the body that we use as a vehicle in life is a very valuable ally, but it's not our only choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You... Um, you talk a lot about this this journey of life and the kind of the various aspects of it. You you talk about a hero's journey. Yes. Um, let's go into that topic a little bit. Well, um, let me uh, approach it from a kind of different angle. You know, in indigenous cultures, when uh, a child is born. One of the role of the elders or the wisdom keepers in that culture is to help identify and help the child identify what is the unique gift he or she brings to the tribe or to the culture. And then the role of the elder is to serve as mentors in helping them evolve that gift during the course of their lives. Um, and in many ways, the identification and the evolution of that gift is indeed the hero's journey. Um, it is 
in our opinion, the reason each of us is born, to uh, remember the, the destiny that we have, to meet the obstacles that fate presents along the way to the best of our ability, and to arrive at a place where we have accumulated wisdom that can then be both transmitted to others and, as some might say, if we are indeed sparks of the creative source or of God or of the divine, then we carry that wisdom back with us um, to the collective and it increases the scope and the size of that repository. So that's the hero's journey. And any novel that we love, any myth that we're drawn to, any play or symphony or opera or um, anything um, that uh, excites us uh, and uplifts us is a story that's built on this hero's premise. It's the underpinning of the inspiration of the universe. So um, remembering that each of us has that as an opportunity, as an option, I think, is one of the truly remarkable things about life. Um, you know, the, the, um, uh, the Hopi um, believe, uh, and Carl Jung in his autobiography talks about this experience that he had, where when he first visited the Hopi in the U.S., he was struck by the degree of pride and uniqueness that seemed to emanate from them. Um, and after several of the chiefs um, got to know him and trust him more, they shared with him that one of the beliefs that the Hopi have is that their job is to help the sun cross the sky every day. And so their character, their discipline, their focus um, was a way of assisting them in that task. And some of their limitations was a way that might interfere with that task. So, you know, when you think about what it must be like feeling this incredible responsibility for helping the sun cross the sky and what a magnificence it injects into the course of life um, by comparison to some of the things that motivate people in modern society, uh, one understands how important this hero's journey is. You know, I, as you've been talking, I hear two things that just strike me as things that could so impact this world. And the one is that, that statement about the hero's journey beginning as from the child, that the, helping the child discover their unique gift or talent, what they, what it is that they brought to this world. And I'm thinking to myself that it really only is the elder who can do that for the child. The parent is too busy doing the parent stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's certainly true. Uh, and it, it really is the elder who has the ability to see that child for who that child truly is. Yes, uh, they have the experience, the wisdom, and the willingness. You know, And in this instance, as you point out, they also have the time uh, and the, the ability to focus. And um, it's one of the reasons that we need to be, in our opinion, so mindful of 
the tendency in our culture here in America today to marginalize elders and to uh, disregard their input and their wisdom. Um, uh, because when we do that, we lose such a valuable element. In fact, throughout history, uh, almost without exception, every culture that has denied and marginalized the wisdom of the elder and forged ahead um, has ended up imploding, whereas mm-hmm. those that have honored the wisdom of the elders have endured. Uh, and um, we're, we're on the, the tipping point here in the U.S. at the moment. There are so many voices that are uh, uh, suggesting that we shouldn't be responsible for elders. We shouldn't honor them. We shouldn't provide them with any of the resources that they may require, uh, that it's all about budgets and numbers and whatnot. In corporations, uh, there's this tremendous outsizing and uh, dismissal of some of the older members of their community in favor of younger people who uh, may have more energy but less experience and that cost less in terms of benefits and all the rest of it. Well, what we're doing is we're outsizing the collective wisdom of those organizations. And long-term, we as a culture, we as a nation, will pay a great price for that. So um, elders being able to identify the gifts of children um, and encouraging children to be unique and be different, not to be the same, not to try to just fit in, um, which is the death knell to creativity, uh, but to to have the courage uh, to reject easy approval uh, and acknowledgement, because in our society, uh, education from the Latin educare, which means to call forth from within, education has become a kind of process of mimicry. The more you mimic whatever the party line is or the data or the information and repeat it back, the higher your grades. And those people who want to color outside the lines, they're given Ritalin or some sort of a drug um, because they're called something, you know. Uh, they have a disease. The disease is in originality, and mm-hmm. we're trying to eradicate it from our culture so that people become really good little cogs uh, in the economic wheel. I was reading just uh, this week something about, you know, all of the different great figures of our history who were deemed stupid. Or disabled or uneducable. Yeah. I mean, you know, literally, like labeled as well, educably mentally retarded, and yeah. <laughs> and you know, and and these are people that you know we've written numerous biographies on because of their great contribution to the world. So, <laughs> so you know, yeah. I love that. You know, yeah. yes, be you know, get in trouble when you're in school because it means that you're thinking. <laughs> well, there's a guy. Um, David Ogilvy, and uh, he was one of the great um, wits in the advertising business, and he helped start uh, one of America's great advertising agencies, at least it was at one time, called Ogilvy and Mather. And David used to always say that uh, rules are for the guidance of wise men and the obedience of fools. Um, and uh, 
if we don't learn to color outside the lines, the innovation and creativity and magnificence that's a natural gift in life will atrophy. Right. We have to take a break here, George. You're listening to the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned. Are you ready to make a change in your life? Would you like to discover the hidden obstacles to your success? Mary Beth Lodge is a certified life coach with a proven track record of guiding others to success. Drawing on mind-body techniques and concepts of neuroscience, Mary Beth will design a program specific to your goals, lifestyle, and personality. You'll develop a specific action plan to follow. You'll learn practical and easy strategies to move through your obstacles and reach your goals. You decide the area to focus on. Is it your weight, your health, or your professional goals? Mary Beth Lodge is a life coach, hypnotist, and health consultant. She specializes in working with people who are confused, frustrated, or discouraged by the direction of their life. She works with people who really want to make a difference in this world and are willing to take the actions to achieve their goals. She'll help you get clear on where you want to be and to follow through on the actions that lead to a healthier and more successful life. Visit LastingLifestyleChange.com to request more information or a free consultation. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to What Matters with Mary Beth Lodge. To be a part of our discussion on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to marybethlodge at gmail.com. Now, back to What Matters. Good morning. Thank you for joining me this morning on What Matters. Our guest is George Capanelli. He's the co-author of Do Not Go Quietly, a guide to living consciously and aging wisely for people who weren't born yesterday. George, before we go any further, how do people get this book? Uh, Amazon.com, of course, the the megalith source for books these days, Mm -hmm. Uh, Barnes & Noble, and all good independent bookstores. uh, they can get it at, and if they want to learn more about the book, they can go to do not go quietly the book.com. There are some free downloads and a lot of uh, comments and other interviews and whatnot. Um, so those are two great sources. Okay, and we also talked about Age Nation. Yes, that agenation.com. Yeah, uh, simple is that source, and uh, people can go and poke around and get a ton of free information and content. Okay. There is, um, I see an excerpt of it, there is a beautiful poem that you wrote that kind of um, points out the, the call to action that perhaps we need to hear. Would you read that for us, please? Sure, I'd be happy to. Not quietly. No, we will not go quietly, not meekly into this or any other night. We who cheered when Martin Martin marched, we who heard first Rachel Carson's call, we who lost our heroes to hate and tried to find ourselves in love, we who died at Kent State and cheered when the wall came down, 
we who contributed to the loss of America's grace and then celebrated the rebirth of hope. We will not go quietly, not meekly, into this or any other night. We will harvest our experience and bay at the moon of new possibility. We will dance to life's mysteries and forge a path of renewed promise for ourselves and those who come after us. We who hold in our hands and our hearts the power to resurrect the dream. We who stood on the front lines before and are called once again will not go meekly, not quietly, into this or any other night. That is so beautiful and speaks so clearly to a call to action. You know, we were the generation of make a change, make a difference. Yeah. When did we when did we fall asleep? <laughs> well, I I don't I, I think we did certainly in part fall asleep and I also think that there was some collusion <laughs> on the part of uh individuals in various stages of power around the world who decided to make life really complex and challenging to obstruct a lot of the possible solutions that are available to us so that we would keep our eyes down and our energy tampered. And um, um, so um, I think that if we are to have a future of consequence, then we have to throw off the yoke, uh, and it is a yoke, I think, of uh, intentional uh, information, misinformation, fear, misalignment, and obstruction. And we have to retake our place at the table. Uh, our voice has to matter. So I'm I'm going back to the story that you told about the Hopi. Yes. And the sense of responsibility for assisting the sun to cross the sky. Yes. If if each of us felt that sense of responsibility. That in, from our wisdom, we can't just sit with our wisdom, that we have an obligation to share our knowing and to help the sun cross the sky. What, what incredible difference that could make in this world? Yes. You know, and even if, even if the idea of helping the sun cross the sky or some other um, larger uh, initiative is not of interest. I think that if anyone takes the time uh, to look deeply into the eyes of their children or their grandchildren or the children or grandchildren of other people that they know, if they look at and really become connected to the innocence that is there, if they look around at the beauty that is this physical planet that we live on and recognize that it is being eroded and badly misused. Um, uh, Whatever it is that one sees in one's immediate environment, if we use that and ask ourselves a question, and that is, is this what we choose to salvage and support? Do we want this to be part of our legacy? Or do we want through disinterest and inattention uh, to allow the future to lose 
this innocence, this beauty, this tenderness, this uh, remarkableness that we encounter in so many different places. Mm -hmm. And depending on what our answer is, then we have our path. And our path doesn't have to be some enormous movement. It can be simple steps, uh, uh, bringing more kindness, more understanding, more decency, more integrity into what we do every day and what we share every day, using the resources we have, whether they are immense or limited, uh, to make uh, conscious decisions. What products do we buy? Uh, in buying them, do we support organizations that serve the greater good or that are somehow or another undermining our well-being? Um, where do we place our attention? Do we listen to media that encourages and inspires us or that media that uh, uh, infects us with fear and, and dissension and separation? Uh, I call this the power of one, and each of us has that power. Um, we, as generations, will oversee the largest transfer of wealth in the history of the world over the next several decades. And that wealth is not just financial assets, but it is wisdom and experience. And the question is, what, what are we going to do with that wealth? Are we going to reinvest it in our world? Are we going to reinvest it in, uh, in the lives that are so important to us? Are we going to leave for other generations? Uh, a legacy of upliftment and and value, or are we going to slink away into the background uh, with indifference and inattention? That's the call, I think. And and that whole aspect of respecting elders or or not respecting yeah. the wisdom of elders, you know, I go back to it's what we teach people yes. to do. I mean, yeah. you know, do we as a group? teach our younger generations that we have value and wisdom or do we fall asleep do we wander away and just not care and you know people respond to what you train them to do regardless absolutely. of age Ab absolutely and i also think that those of us who are older have another level of responsibility in reaching out and connecting with younger people we have to tell them the truth uh, T.S. Eliot says, don't just tell me about the wisdom of old men, but of their frailties and their follies. And I think one of the ways we connect with young people is to say to them, look, you know, we may have done some things that have been valuable and terrific, but frankly, there were a lot of things we screwed up on. And, uh, and if you want a better life, a more successful planet, a more stable environment, these may be some things to look at. And I think through that connectivity, we can begin uh, to create much stronger bridges of understanding uh, between generations and therefore really help the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, it, it, you know, I, again, I just come back to we do have this obligation. We do have a responsibility. And it doesn't have to be overwhelming. No, it doesn't. And, yeah. And, and most important, we have to remember that by making things right within ourselves, by doing the work of gratitude and forgiveness and completion that is part of our life path, then the work that we go out and do in the world is much more in harmony and balance rather than being uh, some way of projecting our wounding onto the world. 
So the responsibility we have is internal, do our work, mature intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, as well as aging chronologically. And then what we do in the world has genuine possibility of constructive and positive impact. And every time someone says something that is one of those prejudices, one of those ageism statements, we ought to refute it. We ought to refute it by our actions, and we ought to refute it by our words. If there's a company that's selling their product by putting older people down, we ought to stop buying the product and send them an email and say, wake up, you know? Um, uh, if there are shows that show older people in derogatory or limited circumstances, we ought to write to the network or to the producers and say, keep it up and you're going to lose another viewer. And ultimately, all of that impacts their bottom line. And when you impact their bottom line, they pay attention. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and again, as you go back to it, it is the power of one. Yes. You know, it, it is not just a voice crying in the wilderness, but each one person does make a difference. Enormously so. And, you know, we control as generations, these generations, Gen Xers, boomers, and elders, we control 80% of the world's wealth. Um, we're not, uh, even though each of us may uh, uh, find that our, our resources may have shrunk in this last economic downturn or we may be struggling economically, uh, we have a lot of power. We are very loyal to the brands and to the organizations we support, we can make a huge difference just by being in our own integrity and speaking our truth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, George, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, let's tell people again where to find your book. Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, independent bookstores, and at the book site, which is do not go quietly, the book.com. They can also go to Age Nation for a lot of information. It's been a joy and a pleasure to talk to you this morning, Mary Beth. You're doing some great work, and I really celebrate it. Well, thank you very much. And, you know, this is, again, that point in, in this program where we come back to you, the listener. You know, are you awake? Are you paying attention? And how are you taking in this information? What's the little thing that you can do today that changes yourself, changes you from within? What is the thing that you can do today that makes a difference, not only from inside of you, but in the world around you? This is your call. You go out there today. You make it a great day because you deserve that, and so does everyone around you. Thanks again for joining us for What Matters. Be sure to tune in again next Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll help you continue to make a difference next week.